Well, good morning. My name is Bella Horn, and I've been attending Glad Tidings um, since I went to the Muncie campus since like 2018, and then my husband and I started coming here um, about two years ago, um, and we serve kind of all over the place. We serve up in the sound booth running the live stream and the sound. Um, we're also youth leaders for, our, um, for all of our high schoolers, um, which is always super fun. So if you have any high schoolers, um, or yeah, even sixth, sixth grade and up, they should totally join us because we always have way too much fun and we're also very loud like so it's super fun um so if you all would uh, stand with me today um, we're going to be reading from john 6 16 through 21 that evening jesus's disciples went down to the shore to wait for him but as darkness fell and jesus still hadn't come back they got into the boat and headed across the lake towards capernaum Soon a gale swept down upon them, and the sea grew very rough. They had rowed three or four miles when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water toward the boat. They were terrified, but he called out to them, Don't be afraid, I am here. They, then they were eager to let him into, in the boat, and immediately they arrived at their destination. We continue today in our series that you may believe. Um, we are looking at the different signs that the, the Gospel of John reveal about Jesus and the miracles he performed. And uh, so we've been slowly walking through these, and we've just got a few left before we get to Easter. And on Easter, we will look at Lazarus being raised from the dead and also the connection to the resurrection of Jesus as well. And that will be a very exciting, exciting day. We want to encourage you... Um, the two easiest times every single year to invite someone to church is both Easter and Christmas. And so we actually have um, our invite blitz that's taking place. Um, and uh, it's going to be starting this week, March 27th through April 1st. If you've got any names, so today's your last chance, the people here in Blackford County that you would like us to send an invite to, let me tell you what, this is a nice invite. It's full of cookies. All I'm saying is if someone comes to my door with cookies and they're inviting me to something, there's a good probability I'm going. <laughs> and so um, we're going to uh, do a big blitz this week inviting people to come to church on either Good Friday, Palm Sunday, or Easter Sunday and to join us for worship and to hear the message of the gospel. And so at the Welcome Center, there's um, the invite blitz cards where you could fill out the name or if you'd be willing to help deliver cookies this week, um, if you would fill that out as well, we would greatly appreciate it. While we're finishing or we're continuing in our series with this, our kids next door, they are being currently engaged in Genesis chapter 3, 1 through 6, and their faith fact is sin separates me from God. And so there's three different or four different questions that you could engage your kids with this week. Um, this will be on our Facebook and Instagram as well. So if you would like to maybe on your ride home today, engage your kids with these questions and what they learned. And then if you go to our website, We've got four different devotions that your family can engage in this week that's based off of what your kids heard about and learned this morning. So just a few different ways that you can continue to see spiritual formation happen in your home. But let's go to the Father in prayer to invite his presence. Father, we come before you. Lord, we thank you for your word that's living, it's true, it's mighty, it's powerful. Lord, but even more than your word, we, we're thankful for your presence your presence that's with us in every season, in every space, and every storm. And Lord, today as we engage um, 
your word that talks about you walking on water. I pray that there would be a moment today, God, where our heart is revived, our soul is encouraged, and God, where even the miraculous happens in our lives. And so, Lord, we pray, would your precious Holy Spirit be in this room? Would your presence rest with us? Would you minister to hearts and lives this morning, we ask? In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So John writes his gospel, and he says that he writes it so that we may believe. And he gives us these signs. Um, We've seen him throughout this series, uh, many of the different ones. We still have a few more to go, but he... We see that Jesus performs these different miracles, these signs, for the very purpose that we would increase our faith, our trust, and our belief in him as our king and in who he is. Um, And what we've seen every single week, and I really hope that I'm driving this home, is I remember as a kid, and I would read about the miracles that Jesus did, and I was always blown away by the miracle, and we should be. The miracle is important, it's powerful, it's beautiful, but it's far more than just that. The miracle was not just that blind eyes were opened or that deaf ears could hear or that the lame could walk or that he looks at Lazarus and says, hey, you're dead, come forth, and he's forced to be alive again. Like that just, that should blow your mind. That doesn't happen. That's a miracle. But Jesus didn't do it as like a parlor trick. (laughs) It wasn't like he's just some magician up here just dishing out miracles left and right. He, he did these because they were signs that was, there was more going on to the story. There was more going on in that moment than just the fact that a blind eye was open. He's actually, we're gonna see this next week, he's revealing that he has the ability to open blind eyes, but at the same time, we have the ability to choose to be blind spiritually. And in the same story, you're gonna see a connection of those two. So there's an importance to the signs. There's something that's being said that's being revealed. Um, there's a declaration of truth in an unveiling of who Jesus is and what he has come to do. And so today, we get an interesting setting. Most of the settings of Jesus' miracles, it's looking like he's near a synagogue or he's at someone's home or he's engaging. Today's is not that case. Today, we find ourselves with a sudden storm. Let's read this again. So that evening, Jesus' disciples went down to the shore. By the way, when it says that evening, what's happened immediately before this is the feeding of the 5,000, okay? So Jesus has just performed that miracle, and the people have tried to make him king, and he's like, thanks, but no thanks, go home, (laughs) right? And as they're dissipating and as they're, they're heading away, Jesus goes up on the mountain to pray, but he sends the disciples, the disciples, that's not a word, the disciples, and he sends them down to the shore um, to wait for him. And he says, but as darkness fell, and Jesus still hadn't come back, they got into the boat, and they headed across the lake to Capernaum. Interesting. Soon a gale swept down upon them, and the sea grew very rough. There was a sudden storm. I'll never forget one of the, the worst storms I've ever been in. Um, I was a part of a, this thing called Royal Rangers. It was kind of like a Boy Scouts a little bit. Um, and we had, were camping in Ohio and uh, we had set up our tents. You know, you're, you're a kid and you're super excited. You're getting everything ready. You've got your cot out. You've got your sleeping bag out. We've got a roaring fire going. We've cooked dinner. But then as night starts to, to fall, um, 
our emergency radios start going off. And they're like, thunderstorm warning, bad weather coming. As the hour gets and the storm gets closer, uh, tornado watch, <laughs> tornado warning. And, you know, we're, we're sitting here, and then we, you, you could hear the storm coming. You could feel it. So all of us, we get out. We, we run they have this massive, huge brick lodge. We all camp in there. I mean, and it's just the torrential rain is just slamming into the windows. It's like the whole building feels like it's shaking, and the, the storm finally passes, and we're like, that was crazy. But it's like almost now 11 or 12 o'clock at night. So we go out, and we've got our flashlights. You know, and you've got a bunch of little boys, and they're, they're leaders that we're heading out there. We go out to where our tents were, <laughs> right? And we're looking at the ground and we're like, there ain't nothing here. And we're like, what is going on? So like 10 minutes later, we're looking like crazy for these tents. Finally, we lift our flashlights up and they're in the trees. Tornado had come through and picked, and now again, this has got cots and sleeping bags and your luggage. So you're talking about lots of weight inside that tent. It lifted it completely off the ground. We're dragging it out of the trees and out of the woods. And there's like a foot of water in the bottom of our tents. Everything is completely soaked. And then a buddy of mine that night decided with no campfire and barely a flashlight, tried to chop a log with a hatchet, and that did not go well. We had an ER trip later that night. It was quite the night of storms, right? And it popped up out of nowhere. I mean, it, it just, the day, all day long, it had been beautiful skies, you know, everything was going great, and then out of nowhere, our entire world was completely and totally wrecked. Everything that had been there was gone. Everything that had been in place and nice and comfortable and neat was torn apart. Every, I mean, we were bending like our dining poles like that held the awning where they're bent in half and ripped to shreds. We were in the midst of this massive sudden storm. Now, what I want you, the reason I tell you all this is because that's a feeling of kind of where the disciples are in this moment. It says that evening, Jesus went down to the shore, the disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. But as darkness fell and Jesus still hadn't come back, they got into the boat and they headed across the lake. Jesus is up on the hills and he's praying. Um, the hills at this point, they're about 2,000 feet above sea level and they surround the Sea of Galilee, okay? But the Sea of Galilee is actually 686 feet below sea level. And what would happen is, is that very often wind would come across those slopes and it would race down the gorge and it would start to heavily churn that water up. Because of the geography, sudden storms were very, very common in that area. And when they would hit the type of cold weather and the, the, the wind sweeping down over the hills, it would create this instantaneous, very dangerous conditions that's where we find the disciples at the start of this sign. Now, we also need to understand that John's doing two things here. He is unveiling a true thing that actually happened, but he's also giving us a little bit of allegory and metaphor. Um, we need to understand the sea. In Jewish literature, the sea almost always stands for chaos and disorder. Okay? Um, in their day, when they would look at the sea, it was unstable, it was violent, it was unruly, it was unpredictable. It was something that they knew that they needed. They needed the life that came from it, the fishing and the thing, but they also realized that, and just like this story, in a moment's notice, it could turn on you. 
And so in their literature, and actually even in the ancient literature of the time, when they were talking about like even maybe your soul, your soul could be violent like the sea. It could change in a moment. Or they, when they were talking about the sea, it, they would often be using it as a sign of chaos or as disorder or a disruption. I'll give you an example of this. Notice even how um, hell is reference, referenced in the book of Revelation. It's called what? A lake of fire. There. The, the, those two things don't go where, right? <laughs> Fire and water. Like, but the point that they're making is, is that disruption, that unruly nature of it. Even when you think about Genesis chapter one, the Jewish writers were making a point at showing the power of God. So for instance, picture it from the mindset of a Jewish author. They're, they're talking about God bringing order and stability from the exact opposite. It says this, and the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. That's not this like nice little visual picture. This is a picture of like chaos. And then it says the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters and then brought order from the disruption. So what we see in this story is instantly the presence of fear. This is a type of storm that caused even these brave fishermen to be like, I don't know if we're making it out of this one. These were guys that knew the water. They knew their craft. They knew the sea like the back of their hand. And here they are fearing the waves and feeling like they're out of control of the situation. Darkness and fear. And I want you to think about this from that perspective. Darkness and fear. You've got this experience. You've got this feeling of darkness where it's the actual setting of the miracle. Like it's nighttime, it's dark. John is always playing on this, this concept of light and darkness. He's showing us something powerful here. He's saying that the darkness and the night is linked to the absence of Jesus. Do you notice, think back to what it says here. It says, that evening Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. But as darkness fell and Jesus hadn't come back, they got in the boat and they headed across toward Capernaum. They come up with this great idea. Well, Jesus isn't here. Let's just try to go it alone. If that's not the story of our lives, I don't know what is. And can I tell you something? The sudden storms always come when we try to go it alone. Every single time we try to go it alone, that storm will come and it brings with it the presence of fear. It was the actual setting the darkness and night, they're linked to the absence of him. In John chapter one, notice what John says as he sets up the whole gospel. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. But they're in the boat without Jesus and they're left with the presence of fear. The feeling that came from both the setting or the circumstances of where they were and the absence of Jesus was fear. Can I tell you something? Our lives are full of sudden storms. They arrive quickly. They come out of nowhere. Often in areas that we once felt a sense of experience or even control over. <laughs> right? For the disciples, they're like, we... we Let's get in the boat. We know the sea. We've been on this countless times. 
We're great at this. This is something we're phenomenal at. We can row all night long. We can, you know, they're thinking all these things. Let's go out for a quick, maybe we can catch some fish. Maybe we can, I don't know what they're thinking. I can tell you one thing. This guy ain't getting in the boat, right? I don't like sharks. I don't like gators. I ain't about that life. Those people in Florida, they can have their water. All right, I'm staying north, <laughs> right? Uh, great whites are evil, <laughs> My point is this, though, is that our lives are full of sudden storms. Storms that appear quickly and they can rearrange everything. Like I remember, again, going back to that story, I remember walking back to the tent, assuming everything was going to be as it was, and yet nothing was like it was. That's our lives. There's times the storm hits so hard, so quickly that it feels like it disorients every single part of who we are. In fact, we don't even know where those parts are anymore, right? So we gotta look to the trees. <laughs> There's my tent. How am I gonna get that down? Like, you know, that, when we think about that, our lives are full of these moments. Moments, again, often that come from a sense of place where we thought we had experience or control over storms that push us to our limits. And I want you to realize they often can feel like darkness that crowds out our ability to see Jesus in that moment. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, what I can promise you is, is there is storms coming. Jesus himself said that. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Jesus was never like, you know, hey, come follow me, and um, I'm going to give you a beanbag chair, and everything's going to be super comfortable. <laughs> you know, follow Jesus. You get a lazy boy and a Pepsi, and the rest of your life is easygoing and luxury. That's not the dotted line. The dotted line is, come follow me, take up your cross. Come and die. Come and surrender to yourself. Come and, and, and like Jesus promises that there's stuff coming. But this is what I love about this, is though our lives are full of sudden storms, what we need to understand from this story is God's perspective to our sudden storms. Watch this. Late that night, the disciples were in the boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on land. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and the waves. At about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. Jesus could have done this a bunch of different ways. <laughs> he could have from the mountain said, peace be still, and suddenly the disciples would have been like, oh, we can row. <laughs> Let's get to the shore where it's safe. Though admittedly, it's a group of men in a boat. As soon as it got clear, they'd have been like, we can stay out longer. <laughs> he could have spoke to the boat and said, appear on shore. Could have. Now, that would have also been a cool miracle. Like, you're in the boat, and out of nowhere, it just rises above the water, levitates and goes straight to the shore, and then just drops. The that would have been cool, too. But neither one of those would have revealed something to us about the heart of God. This does. It says he saw that they were in serious trouble. And what I want you to notice is that when God saw that they were in trouble, he came near. Do you see that? 
Jesus looks out and he sees, like the picture you get is he's up on the mountain and more than likely they're out there on the boat and they've got like one or two lanterns and it's just bobbing with the sea and the waves as it's getting swept over and they're, they're not even sure they're going to make it and he sees them in distress and the response of God is to walk on the very thing they fear. The response of God is, I'm going to come near to you in your time of trouble. I'm going to get near to you in the midst of your sudden storm. The response of God is always, can I tell you, nearness to you in your storm if you will allow him in the boat. He longs to come. Jesus starts heading towards his disciples. The perspective of God is that he saw, there's some incredible things we see from this. There's there's three aspects. There's beauty, there's presence, and then there's power. There's beauty because in your situation, in your circumstance, and especially even in your emotions, he knows, he's aware, and he's looking in. I can't tell you as a pastor how many times when I encounter with people who are in the midst of their storms, almost always the question is this. Does he know? Does he care? God, do you, you, out of all the billions of people in this world, are you aware of what I'm encountering? Are you aware that it feels like my heart's being ripped into a thousand pieces? God, do you even know? And if you do know, do you care? And the answer to this is incredible beauty. God goes, I absolutely do. Your pain in your circumstance is not lost to King Jesus. So that's the beauty. Secondly, it's his presence. Jesus' response was his presence. That's so beautiful. He came toward him. In our pain, Jesus always comes towards us. But here's, I want you to notice this. This is very important for us to know. It says in the text the disciples didn't recognize him. Think about that for a second. At first, we're like, what? But it actually makes perfect sense. Jesus comes walking on the water and he comes out towards them, but they're in the midst of a season and a setting and a circumstance of chaos. Can I tell you, those moments, they blind us, don't they? The swirling emotions, the swirling thoughts, the pain, what we're going through, it blinds us to the truth of where we're at, but it also blinds us to God's presence in our midst, right? I love it because like the disciples are like, it's a ghost, (laughs) right? They've got Jesus that like has been with them for, I mean, they just watched him produce like one Lunchable to feed 20,000 people. That was a cool day. It's been a good morning so far, right? They've, they've got full bellies. They've watched Jesus perform the miraculous. But here they are in the midst of their sudden storm, and they're blinded to who Jesus is. Can I tell you something? If you're not careful, you can allow your pain and your circumstance to blind you to the presence of the king. And without realizing it, you can start to make statements like, where is he in the midst of my pain when he's actually right there? but we can't see him because our pain can blind us from the truth of what's really happening in that moment. 
Our pain and circumstances can often hide Jesus from us. It's not that he's not there or that he actually looks or is even acting differently. It's that we have chosen the lens of fear to look through our life instead of the lens of faith. So there's beauty, there's presence, but then there's power. Because this miracle doesn't end like this. It doesn't go, and Jesus got in the boat and he helped them with the rowing. Seriously. If it was any other human on the face of the earth, that's how the story would have to go. And then they got in the boat and they assisted the disciples in fighting the storm. But that's not what happens with Jesus. Jesus, there's power. He has the power to cause the chaos and the disorder to cease. He comes to them walking on water. Notice verse 19, it says this when it's talking about the walking on water. It says, uh, they had rowed three or four miles when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water toward the boat. They were terrified, but he called out to them, don't be afraid, I am here. Two key things I want you to get from that verse right there. Number one, Jesus walks upon what you fear. He tramples it underfoot. That's the kind of God that I need. Because I got a lot of fears. Spiders are way up there. <laughs> Not a fan. I can kill them, but like if one appears in my house, it is now go time. One of us are going to survive this encounter. <laughs> right? They're, yeah, not, not a fan. Spiders, snakes, sharks, gators. Again, this is why I can't live in the South. Snakes, not about it. But Jesus, listen to me, he walks upon what the disciples fear in that moment. In the midst of their season, it's not like Jesus isn't out there in a little dinghy just rowing his way towards them. Hang on, guys, I'll get there in a second. He comes walking on the very thing they're most terrified of, as if to say, it's nothing for me. What you fear, I can conquer. He walks out there on it. But this is the second thing that I love. Jesus calms their fear by identifying himself. It's me. What you need in your sudden storm Please hear me. I know the human response is always, God, can you cause it to stop now? I want that. Trust me, I, I can't tell you how many times I've found myself in the sudden storms of life that I'm like, hey, Jesus, it would be really great if like in the next 20 minutes <laughs> you caused this to stop, right? Like you're in the middle of um, stomach bug, right? You're like, Jesus, it would be really great if right now it would stop. But can I tell you, you know what? In every storm we ever face, what we most need is him. I'm here. Your father, your king, looking at you going, what you're facing, what you're going through, what you're experiencing, you're not alone in it. I am here. Jesus calmed their fears by declaring who he was. Think back to the Jews' idea about the sea, evil, disorder, chaos, and violence. Jesus walks in peace over all of that. 
the thing you are most terrified of, he walks in. Then we find this, it's not in the Gospel of John, but we, if we're going to talk about the story, we, we, we've got to talk about this. So let's look at the, the Gospel of Matthew as he recounts this. Matthew chapter 14. We find a unique request. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, again, remember, in the midst of our pain, we can be blinded by, this is, this is cool. If it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Peter capitalizes on a cool moment. He's like, I'm terrified, but <laughs> this could be cool. <laughs> yes, come, Jesus said. And so Peter went over the side of the boat and he walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong in the waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped and the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God, they explained. I love this part of the story. Because <laughs> I think it reveals something pretty powerful. couple things. Number one, um, Peter comes to an incredible realization in this moment. Um, Peter realized it was safer in the water with Jesus than in the boat without him. Think about that for a second. Peter realized it was safer in the water with Jesus than in the boat without him. The boat kind of symbolizes our stability, <laughs> what we have control over, what we can do, the, the, that sense of shelter or safety that life can sometimes give. But kind of just, there's nothing in our life we actually control. There's nothing in your life that can't be taken from you in a moment. There's nothing in your life that in a moment can't be completely changed or altered. There's, there's none of those things, right? In just a moment, that boat can capsize. In just a moment, your life can capsize when that sudden storm hits hard. And so while the rest of them are sitting here thinking, I got to hold on to this boat for dear life, Peter's seeing the boat go something like this, right? And he's going, I'm a fisherman and I'm not usually seasick, but I'm, lunch is coming back up. We're about to see those loaves and fishes again. Right, <laughs> right. there's part of him that's sitting in that boat and he's looking at the chaos that's hitting him and then he's looking at his king who is out in the most terrifying part of all of it and he's walking and he's going, do I wanna be in here with them or do I wanna be out there with him? And he makes a wise choice. He says, hey, Jesus, if it's really you, call to me and tell you to come out. And he hears the voice of his king. He hears the voice of his savior. He hears the voice of his friend who says, come on, Peter. Come out on the water with me. And man, can you imagine that moment? You put your foot out in the water and like, you know, you're expecting that sinking feeling of and out of nowhere, there's stability on the thing you fear. And then that second foot. And he is walking on water with Jesus. I can't help but think Jesus is over there dying laughing, right? He's looking at Peter. It's like watching a toddler learn how to walk. Peter's like, you know, right? <laughs> he's trying to figure it out and he's doing fine. He's looking at Jesus and he's like, oh, it's working. But then what did he do? He took his eyes off Jesus and he focused back again on the storm. 
And as soon as he did that, he sunk. But what I love about it is even as he sank, he cries out, Lord, save me. And instantly Jesus is like, bam, I'm with you. In our lives, we need to realize it's safer in the water with Jesus than in our boats without him. This sign is interesting because it's actually connected to an earlier sign. Mark gives us clue to this. Watch what the gospel of Mark says. It says, but Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. Take courage. Why? I am here. Then he climbed into the boat and it says the wind stopped and they were totally amazed. Watch this. For they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. Do you see what Mark's doing here? He says their hearts were too hard to take it in. Mark goes, the reason they didn't have the faith in this moment is because they still hadn't understood the previous sign. Do you remember the previous sign? It was the feeding of the 5,000. And the feeding of the 5,000, what Jesus was saying is what you need, the bread you think you need every day is actually me. It's my presence. What you need is me. And here in this moment, what they needed was Jesus. And they can't, it says they don't understand the significance of the previous because their hearts were still too hard to take it in. The reason they struggled in the storm is because they still hadn't realized he was the bread that they need. We need his presence more than anything else, especially in our storms. Listen to me. I, I pray, and we, I'm a still, I believe in a miracle working God. I've seen him do it. I've watched him heal cancer. I've watched him completely alter physiologically like what can happen in a person's body. I've watched him take broken bones and completely mend it. I'll never forget as a kid, my brother had a broken arm and we could see the S shape in his arm. By the time we got to the hospital after praying, his arm was 100% completely straight. As a kid, that was awesome, but also freaked me out. <laughs> like we serve a God who can do that. But can I tell you something? More than the miracle, what we need is him. We need his presence. They were amazed that Jesus could walk in water, but they hadn't yet fully understood because their hearts were too hard. It wasn't that Jesus had made bread. It was that he was the bread. A second miracle for the disciples happens now that the crowds will never see. It was just for them. You just saw the bread. Are you aware that I am all that you need always, Jesus is saying, especially in the sudden storms of life. What you need is me. In the book of Philippians, we get to this verse. Um, actually, I'm gonna do a quick segue here. And just shortly, we're gonna have our next deeper, which will lead us into the summer. And it's gonna be on how to study the Bible. And we're gonna look at things like setting and uh, context and why all those things are important. And this is one of those texts that it's very important for us to know the setting and context and, and read all the verses that surround it because what we're gonna find here is one of the most quoted verses but often the most quoted incorrectly verses. Paul writes to the Philippian church and he says this, how I praise the Lord that you're concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me but you didn't have the chance to help me not that I was ever in need, 
for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. (laughs) It's tattooed on people's bodies. It's put up on walls. It's shouted from sports athletes. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Um, let me tell you what that verse doesn't mean. I really want to climb Everest so I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Can you tell you something? If your pastor right now hops on a plane, <laughs> goes to the mountains of Nepal and tries to climb Everest, how many of you know I'm turning into an icicle? It's game over. <laughs> this body ain't built for that. <laughs> I'm not in condition for that. I don't like the, what this verse is not saying is whatever harebrained idea that you've got, go for it because you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Do you know the context? You, you're seeing this. Let's go back. I want to read it one more time. Can we go one slide back? Notice what Paul's saying here. He says, I praise the Lord that you're concerned about me again. I know that you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. He's in prison. He doesn't know if he's going to make it. Continues on. He says, not that I was ever in need. Really, Paul? I don't know, I know a little bit about your life, but I think there's some moments where you were in need. In fact, he goes on to say that. He goes, notice, he goes, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with what? Whatever I have. He says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. Paul just said to you, I can live with bread and water maybe coming once a day because I've done it many times. I've also sat down at the most lavish of meals and been served as the prize guest. And guess what? In both situations, I was content. When I had nothing and when I had everything. When I was naked and poor and destitute. And when everything was going great, I was content in both situations. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty. I gotta still learn that. How many of you know when you get hangry, it's like, Jesus, where are you? (laughs) With plenty or little. Can we go to the next slide? For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. You know what Paul just said to you there? I've learned the secret that in the storm, what I need is him. And he lived it out. When he was in a ship that was being shipwrecked and everyone else is fleeing and terrified and they're thinking they're gonna die, Paul gets a visit from an angel. He looks at them and says, everything's gonna be fine, no one's gonna die, we're gonna make it out, it's gonna be okay. I know this is the worst storm we've ever seen, we're gonna be good. He's beaten with rods. He's stripped naked. He's thrown into a jail cell. He's sitting next to Silas. It's midnight. There's blood dripping down his back. He's covered in bruises. Every single one of us would be grumbling, complaining, angry, frustrated. I'd be leveling to God the fairness. This isn't fair. I shouldn't be here. Instead, Paul starts to worship. Why? Because I I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I can sit here in this jail cell and be content 
and I can also be set free. Church, what we need is Jesus. What we need is his presence. What we need is him. As the worship team comes to the stage, I want to, if we could just bring the lights down, I just want you to bow your heads for just a moment and I want you to search inwardly. Holy Spirit, we pray that right now in this moment you would do what only you can do, Jesus. That, God, I pray you would get past all of my weakness, all of my failings as a communicator, and that, God, you would do what only you can do now in this place. God, I pray that you would minister to hearts and lives in this moment. God, we ask and invite that you would move and do what only you can do. And so now what I'm going to do is I'm going to make an invitation for you to not miss your moment. And this is what I mean by that. Every person in this room has had sudden storms. Some are more painful than others. Some last longer than others. But every person in this room has been through a season where they were wondering, I'm not sure if I can make it out of this. Or they've been through a season of pain. And again, it can come from a myriad of places. It can be thrust upon us by other people. It can just be the typical fact that we live in a broken world. It could be a diagnosis. It could be something that you're facing or your family's facing. It could be based on sin. It could be you've made some poor choices and so now it's placed you in a spot where it just feels like life is crumbling in around you. But this is what I know is that every person in this room, there is some sudden storms that take place in our life. Some pain, some very real things that that happen to us. And the question that happens in that moment is this, is that we feel like, God, I can't even, we were like the disciples. I can't even see you. I feel like you're not even there. Like, and then when his presence is even near, we don't even recognize it. In fact, it might even be something that we fear and we push away from. But what if we pulled a Peter? And we said, you know what, King Jesus, more than the boat, more than even the safety of the company that's with me, I need to be near you. Give me the faith to come out on the water, to step into the very storm that I'm in right now and get closer to you. feel like today that God is wanting to speak to some people who's in the midst of a storm and he's wanting to do some healing work. He's wanting to remind you that he's still the God that comes near. He's wanting to remind you that he's still the God that answers prayer. That he is still the God that he looks in on your situation with compassion, with kindness, with mercy, that your feelings, your emotions, and your circumstances are not lost to the King.
So this is what we're gonna do in just a second. I'm gonna invite you to stand and we're gonna sing this song, I Speak Jesus. It's a very powerful song. We're gonna worship, but this is how I would like to close. Maybe you're going through a storm right now or you've got someone in your family that's going through a storm. And you're saying, I want someone to stand up in prayer with me today. We wanna invite you to come to the altars. We wanna pray and stand with you. Listen, life's real, isn't it? It's painful. It comes at you fast. It can happen in a moment. It could have felt like clear sailing, blue skies, and then man, that wind sweeps over those mountains and it comes up and it starts churning the waves. And out of nowhere, you're like, I don't even know if I'm gonna make it. And today we're gonna pray and we're gonna believe and we're gonna invite and ask the presence of Jesus to come and minister to us. So in just a second, as the worship team sings, I wanna invite you again. If you're here today, if you're facing a storm or someone in your family is, we would, we would love to pray for you. So would you stand with me this morning? I'm gonna pray over all of us and then we're gonna just open up the altars. We're gonna just spend some time in his presence. And maybe today you're either not in a storm or you're, you're in the process of coming out on one. Can I plead with you, intercede for those in the room that are walking into one or who the wind is swirling around them? because you've been there before. You know what that's like. But we still serve the God who can silence the wind and the waves. We still serve the God who can walk on the very things that we fear. Father, I pray right now for every person in this room that there would be a holy moment right now that as we sing, as we declare freedom, as we speak your name over our lives, that God, you would do a work that only you can do. God, we pray that you would move in might and power, but more than anything, God, we pray that there would be a special sense, Jesus, of your presence in this room. God, that there would be a special sense of knowing that you are near, that there would be a special sense of knowing that you walk on the very thing that we fear, and that, Lord, you would reign supreme in this room today. We invite you to speak. We invite you to move. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. As the team plays, I would encourage you, again, if you're, if you're facing something or if someone in your family is, feel free to come up. We would love to pray for you.